to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. It's just one verse that I want to preach today, but it's a verse that's so full I can preach an entire message from it. I've entitled this message, You Don't Have to Be Afraid. And you'll understand when we read this verse. God is speaking, and here's what he says. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Can you say amen to the word? Amen. You can be seated this morning. When God spoke these words to Israel through the prophet Isaiah, There was, if you will, a dichotomy in the land. One side of that dichotomy was that very much so the children of Israel were the people of God. They were God's prized possession. They were the ones who served the Lord. They were the ones who had been given divine revelation through the prophets. They were the ones that were supposed to be a witness to the other nations about Jehovah and how he was the real God. It was also a time of prosperity and peace. That's one side of the dichotomy, but the other side is not so pleasant. There was a threat that faced them. A spirit of fear had settled over the nation because the Assyrian Empire had become very powerful and they were poised to invade Israel and take the people captive. I tell you that little historical background for this text because I think we can identify because clearly for us, the church, the believers, there is a dichotomy in our land. If you are born again and you're a child of God, then you are God's prized possession. You are the people of God. You belong to him. You're the apple of his eye. You're his pride and his joy. You have access to the Bible. We have something that for for hundreds of years the church didn't have, but we have the Bible. And when you quote it and when you read it, you are speaking the very words of God. You have the witness of Jesus Christ in you. Everyone that sees you should notice there's something about you that's different Because Christ lives in your heart and you reflect his image just like a prism that gets a ray of light and then shines the colors of the rainbow. There there should be the colors of the fruit of the spirit and the characteristics of Christ as God's glory shines in you every day of your life. And we live at a time of prosperity and, and right now, thank God, we live in a time of peace. However, we all have seasons in our lives when we have to grapple with fear. And this is not unusual for the child of God. And I went back through the books of the Bible, I started in Genesis, and I realized that this is an ongoing issue with anybody who follows the Lord. Adam and Eve surely were terrified when God put them out of the Garden of Eden. It was the only place they'd ever known. Noah had to have some anxiety when the flood came. There had never been a flood before. They didn't have flood insurance. And he had never been in a boat before. And so you, surely there was anxiety. 
And then Abraham feared for his life when he went to the land of Egypt, so much so that he lied about his wife, Sarah. And his grandson, Jacob, was terrified when he returned back to Israel, to Canaan. He was terrified of his brother Esau, from whom he had swindled his birthright and his blessing. The Israelites were scared to death when they stood on the shore of the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army bearing down on them. Elijah, the mighty prophet of God who could pray down fire from heaven, was running for his life in fear because he was afraid of the wrath of wicked Queen Jezebel. Even the disciples of Jesus, we're told in the Gospels, were scared when they were in the boat on the Sea of Galilee in the midst of a storm. We all face things that threaten us and intimidate us and frighten us and fill us with dread. That's the dichotomy. See, we're the children of God, and yet there are things that are trying to make us tremble. Right now, it's COVID. I don't know about you, but I'm sick of COVID. I'm tired of COVID. And we thought it was over. And then the variant comes along, the Delta variant. And it starts all over again. And so there are a lot of people that are living in fear because this one is as common as the common cold. You can catch it easier. And people are in the hospital and people are dying and we've had this resurgence and there's a spirit of fear that's hanging out there. And then the economy can make you afraid. And we thought things were turning around and then all of a sudden it seems like they're not. And there is a generation behind me my son's generation that's learning about this thing called inflation. They've never had to deal with inflation in their lifetime, but it's real. How many of you remember Jimmy Carter? I'm old enough to remember Jimmy Carter and inflation and double-digit interest rates and the, uh, the energy crisis and gas lines where people were in cars lined up. We had a little taste of that, just a little bit, but it was for months and months and months back in the 70s and it's, it's there looming again over us, and we're wondering what's happening, and people are telling me at their businesses that they can't get products in because people are too sick to come into work, and so the plants aren't operating. They can't make the production like they do and can't have the quantities like they normally churn out, and then there's, there's stuff we get from China, and they can't get it here, and it just seems like there's things looming out there that you're not gonna be able to get things again, and you can't purchase certain items again, and my goodness, you couldn't even buy a new car because they didn't have a chip for it. And it's just, these are things we've never had to face before. And if you let it, if you own a business, if you make a living from sales and getting customers, if you're a provider of products, it can be a really scary time right now. And then you add on that just antagonist. Most people get along with people, but every once in a while you have an antagonist, an adversary, somebody who just gets it in for you. We've all got one of those at least. It's the devil. And then sometimes puppets of the devil, human beings, get it in for us. And then we live in this anti-Christian society. I've never seen it like this before. And that can be a little bit scary, especially for us in the Bible Belt, because we're sort of inoculated to that, but not anymore. And then just read the news. Used to be the nightly news, but now you can get it 24-7. You can pull it up on your phone, your social media. You get notifications, one right after the other, of bad things, bad things, bad things, bad things. And the more you watch that and read it, it'll just put a spirit of fear. And I think a spirit of fear has fallen over much of our nation. I think it's trying to get in the church. 
That's the dichotomy. Now, I want to say something to you today. It is okay to be afraid. It's okay to be afraid. I've shown you that people of God, mighty people of God in the Bible have been afraid. But here's the thing. It's not okay to stay afraid. Let me say that again. It's okay to be afraid, but you cannot remain in a state of fear. Why? Because fear will kill your faith. It'll wipe out faith, and, 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 and here's another thing. It'll make you do things and say things you wouldn't normally do. I, I, when I teach leadership seminars, I tell young leaders, you cannot lead out of fear. It takes courage to be a leader. You have to be able to say no when everybody else wants you to say yes, and you have to be able to say yes when everybody else says no. You have to make decisions because they're right and not because you're scared. Because when you make decisions out of fear, you will mess up every time. Fear will have you doing things and saying things will ultimately be to your demise. That's the dichotomy for Israel, and that's the dichotomy for us. In this dichotomy, here's the good news. There is a word for us. And it is this word that God has given me to bring to you this morning, Isaiah 41.10. And God is speaking, and he simply says two words, fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Did you know that fear not is recorded 365 times in the Bible? That's interesting, isn't it? 365. I think it's 365 because God knows that every day of your life offers an opportunity to be afraid. But God says, even though every day has an opportunity, don't be afraid. Another way to say it is, have courage. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's being willing to do what you know that God wants you to do, even when the consequences are unseen and unknown. You just stick with God. Mark chapter 5, there's a story of a man named Jairus who had a 12-year-old daughter. And I don't know what happened to her, but she got sick. And it was a sickness so bad that it was killing her. He, he made a journey searching and somehow found out, you know, they didn't have the internet back then, you just couldn't Google it, but somehow he found out where Jesus was. And he made his way to that town, that place, and he said, Lord, my daughter is dying, but I know that you're a miracle worker and a healer. Will you come to my house and will you lay your hands on my daughter so that she'll be healed? And the Son of God, with great love and compassion, said, yes, I'll go with you, let's go. And he started towards this man's house. And you can think that every step closer to his house, this man's faith grew and his hope and expectation swelled. My daughter is gonna be healed. Everything's gonna be all right. And as they approached, got closer to the house, a group of people met them with long faces. And they looked at Jairus and said, there's no easy way to say this, so we're just gonna tell you your daughter is dead. And they even said to him, why bother the teacher anymore? In other words, it's over, it's done, move on. And in that moment, every bit of his faith and hope and expectation evaporated. And you got to know that fear came over him like a storm. And Jesus saw it happening and turned to him and said very simply to this man he had just met, do not be afraid, only believe. At that moment, he had a choice to let fear dominate him or to fight and resist the fear, even though the facts said that his daughter was gone. Resist the fear 
and put his hope and trust in Jesus. And that's exactly what he did. And Jesus said, let's go. And they kept walking and he went into the man's house. He got Jesus in his house. And Jesus went into where the little girl was laying and he took her by the hand, the Bible says, and he said very simply, little girl, I say to you, arise. And when he did, the spirit of the Lord touched that girl and life came back into her body and she went... And she took a breath and she started breathing. And not only that, but whatever was wrong with her was instantly healed. And she was whole and God took her to her parents. And all her parents were excited and everybody was happy. Listen, I came here this morning to tell you, it doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what's intimidating with you and what's trying to pull you down. You don't have to be afraid when the resurrection and the life is in your house. You don't have to be afraid when the healer is in your house. You don't have to be afraid when the deliverer is in your house. You don't have to be afraid when the rescuer is in your house. You don't have to be afraid when the lion of the tribe of Judah is in your house. You don't have to be afraid when the champion over sin and death is in your house. Somebody now give him praise. I know you feel like it. You want to. Go ahead and give God praise. It makes a difference when you trust him. And don't let fear have its way. God said, fear not. Fear not. And he also said, be not dismayed. Be not dismayed. Don't, be, don't, don't live in bewilderment. Don't, don't walk around looking around frantically like, like you've lost your mind and you can't think straight. Don't be panicky and, and, and anxious. You know, when you are at a loss at how to deal with the challenge before you, God is saying, do not, be a, do not be dismayed, stay calm. I've got this. I've got this. What are you afraid of? What do you dread? What keeps you up at night? What's unnerving you right now? What is sapping your strength and killing your initiative because you are terrified of the consequences? Whatever it is, I came here this morning to remind you of the words of David in Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength, and that word can mean stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Let me ask you a question. Feel free to answer. Is what you are facing right now bigger than God? No. No, there's nothing you will ever face that is bigger than God. God is your Savior. But listen to me. He's not just the Savior of your soul. He can be the Savior of your life, of your pocketbook, of your finances, of your business, of, 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 of anything, of your marriage, of your family. God is the Savior, the rescuer, and he is your fort and your stronghold and your safe place. And in him, nothing can touch you. And instead of being dismayed, Here's the beautiful thing. You can have peace. You can have peace. Not fear, but peace. There's a calm that covers me when I kneel down at your feet. You, you didn't realize you just sang that, did you? You sang my sermon. I'm going to tell a story, and I will be careful because there's a camera back there, and hundreds of people are watching right now, and it will be recorded, 
and then I will have evidence against me. But I want to tell a story that happened to me years ago when I was a student at East Coast Bible College. A pastor in that local area in Gastonia, it was in the Charlotte area, but Gastonia, he, he came to me and invited me to preach a revival. And I was a young preacher, 19, 20 years old. Man, I'd preach at the drop of a hat. I was looking for any opportunity to preach. He said, I want you to come preach a revival at my church. It was the Linwood Avenue Church of God. And that, that church was really special to me because my grandfather actually pastored that church. And, and I had an aunt that went to that church. So, so I, had, I had some affinity with that church. That meant a lot to me that I could preach a revival at that church. So I, I said, yes. And he said, now, I have a hard time getting people to come out six nights in a row for a revival. He said, let's do this. You just preach Sunday morning, Sunday night for three Sundays in a row. That's six services. That'll be the equivalent of a revival. Can you do that? I said, I can do anything you want if you just let me preach. I was excited. And it worked great because I was a student and I was studying and I had classes. And so this was perfect. So for two Sundays in a row, Sunday morning, Sunday night, I preached at this church. Now we're in the last week heading towards the last Sunday of that service. When my aunt notified me and asked me to come over, because she worked there near the facilities of the, of, the camp, of, of the campus, and she said, can you come see me? And I came over, and she said, I need to let you know something. She said, sometimes I find out things I'm not supposed to know. And she said, I found out something. She said, I think we're losing our pastor Sunday. I said, you are? She said, mm-hmm. I think there's a, a church switch that's happening with pastors, and the state overseer is going to be in the service. I think our pastor is announcing that he's leaving Sunday morning, and you're supposed to be preaching. And she said, you're young and inexperienced, and I don't want you to be blindsided, and I don't want you to get hurt by this. See, the Lord used my aunt to help me. And so, sure enough, I came back for that third Sunday morning, and I preached. I had a great service, and at the end of that service, the pastor got up and said, I have some news. Today will be my last day as your pastor. Tonight, the state overseer will be coming to the service to take a vote and to tell you who your new pastor is and help you in that process. And, of course, everybody's upset, and they're, they're very, not very happy and so I went to the pastor. I said, Pastor, look, the state overseer is going to be here. He needs to preach tonight, not me. And I'm thinking, I don't want to be here tonight. I don't want to preach here tonight. I'm just a college student. He said, oh, no. He insisted. I want you to preach tonight. You plan to preach. And I had, I had a message God gave me. See, God gave me a special message. But I didn't want to preach it. And so that night, the service started, and the people were upset, and they were just waiting. They, they thought maybe it was going to be at the end of the service. The state overseer went to that other church across town and talked with them and met with them and then left and came in the middle of our service. So the choir had finished singing, and then the state overseer, and the pastor said, well, the state overseer is here. We're going to stop the service and go right into a business meeting, right in the middle of church. I'm sitting down here on the front row going, oh, Jesus, get me out of this. I don't want to be here. And so the overseer basically is going to ramrod through. He, he's not really giving them an opportunity to vote. He's just going to, because he has that power as a bishop, so he's just going to tell them, you know. And so they, they, they want, well, they're so desperate. They, they don't want, they're so desperate. One of them said, what about Brother Sestar down here? This young preacher said, he preaches good. I'm thinking I'm just a college student. I don't even have a degree yet. They wanted me, and they were just desperate. And then the overseer, of course, had to deal with that. He wasn't very nice. He would just sort of put me in, you know, he's, a, he's young and experienced. He can't be your pastor. In other words, you ain't worth dilly squad. Sit down over there. And I, that's how I felt. And I, that made me feel even worse. And I, I'm just sliding down on the front row of that pew. I mean, I'm sliding. I want to run. 
Well, they took the vote. He ramrodded it in. Didn't matter what they voted. He said, this is your new pastor. And he, he left. Everybody's crying and weeping, and they're scared, and they're hurt. And, and so the, the pastor got back up and said, well, we're going to continue to have church. I'm thinking, how are we going to have church in this? And he, he said, sister so-and-so's coming to sing a special. She got up there, and she grabbed the mic. She said, I can't sing. And she put the mic down and walked off the stage. She was supposed to do a special. He said, well, then I want Brother Sestar to come up here and preach. Y'all. So I walked up on that stage, and I got, got that mic behind that big desk. I'm like 19, 20 years old, and I looked out. People were crying, and they're sobbing, and they're just, they're hurt. And I mean, they're just, it's terrible. It's just terrible. And I just stood there, and I didn't say anything for about 30 seconds. I just kind of stood like this and looked around. And, you know, humor's my way of dealing with a lot of things. And I finally looked up, I said, well, I said, if y'all think you feel bad right now. And I just kind of looked like that. Well, when I did, it, all those precious folks there at that church, it hit them. Bless, oh, we, you know, we're so wrapped up in our situation. Bless, bless, his, bless his heart, <laughs> as they say down south. Bless his heart, that poor young preacher up there. And I said, look, I know, I did, I said this. I, I was 19. I, was, I said, look, I know y'all are hurting. I know you're crying. I know you don't even want to be here right now. And I'm thinking, I don't want to be here right now. But I said, if you'll just give me a few minutes, God's giving me a message that I think will help you. Will you just let me do that? And so I read the text from John chapter 14, and I started preaching about what Jesus will do for you when we go through the difficulties of life. And you see, the Lord helped me through my aunt to be ready. And when I got to my last point, I said, here's what God will do for you. Jesus said, peace I give into you. My peace I give into you not as the world gives, give I unto you. So let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And I preached that thing, and I, got, I waxed in a big way, got the anointing on me, and I started talking to that church. You know, I'm all of 19 years old. And I'm saying, I'm going to tell you right now, I know you're hurting, but I'm going to tell you the church is going to rock on. The Linwood Avenue church is going to press on. And then I got real bold, and I pointed right at that preacher. I did, just like this. I said, that man right there, I said, don't you worry about him. It doesn't matter whether he's here or not. I said, God's got this church. It's not his church. I said, this is God's. That man's cutting me a check after church, you know, but I'm pointing him out right now. That's not him. I said, it's, oh, they're shouting at this point. There ain't been any coming up out of their pews, you know. Man, all the crying was gone. They're excited. I was throwing fuel on the fire. I said, this is the Lord's church. This place, God's going to do something in this place. And God was just ministering to people. And I said, stand with me. And I said, when everybody come to the altar. And they came down. I told the musician, I said, I said, play peace, peace. They started saying, peace, peace, wonderful peace. Coming down from the Father above. And everybody was singing it. And, you know, they were crying, but now it had changed. And it moved from tears of hurt and fear of the future and what's going to happen. It, it moved to the tears of God's got this. And we're in the presence of the Lord and everything's going to be all right. And they just, they, just, they just cried and they wept. And the Spirit of the Lord just came down and touched that congregation and the whole demeanor changed. I just came here today to tell you, brothers and sisters, you don't have to be afraid and you don't have to be dismayed because when you're in the middle of your trial, God will give you peace and God will give you what you need to get through it. He's that kind of God. And these words of the Lord are not empty platitudes. There is a foundation or a basis for them, and he gives them to us. And again, remember, it's God speaking. He said, I am with you. And then he said, I am your God. Do you, do you understand that you never go through a crisis alone? Sometimes 
we church folks have to watch this. We think God is at high praises on Sunday morning and we leave him here when we get in our car or we think that God is up in heaven and we have to pray hard enough that somehow we'll get his attention and then he'll make that ultra multi-million mile trip down here to try to help us out. That's not how it works. When you got saved, he took up residence right in here. So when you're in the fire, he's in the fire. And when you're in the crisis, he's in the crisis. Wherever you are, he's there. There is, do y'all know the Jehovah names of God? You ever heard the Jehovah Jireh? Y'all ever heard those? Okay, if you hadn't, then there's, there's a whole bunch of Jehovah names of God in the Bible. So if you haven't, let me just teach you. So Jehovah Jireh, everybody likes that one because it means the Lord who provides. Jehovah Sidkenu, these are Hebrew words, right? The Lord who is my righteousness. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord who is my peace. And Jehovah Rapha, and I can't remember the rest of them, but I can't remember the Hebrew, but the Lord who is my shepherd, the Lord who is my healer, the Lord who is my banner of victory. There are all these Jehovah names, but there's one that that everybody leaves out. Preachers preach, they'll preach all those in a big way, especially Pentecostal preachers, but we leave this one out, but it's the best one. It's Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah Shammah. And here's what it simply means. The Lord who is there. The Lord who is there. Wherever you are, that's where he is. That's why in Hebrews 13, 5, Jesus could say, the writer was quoting him, I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. That's why Psalm 46, 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of of trouble. As a matter of fact, I, I wanna, this isn't in my notes, but I feel like preaching right now. I'm, I gotta preach on me this morning. I've already done this once. I'm happy to do it again. You know, a lot of times we want God to come where we are. We're, say, God, I'm in this crisis, and God, I, I need you here. But let me tell you something. God already knew your crisis before you did. He already knew the threat before the threat was a threat. He already knew what was going to intimidate you before it became an intimidator. God already knew. Because God, unlimited by time or space, is in the past, in the present, and in the future. And so he's already in your future. And that's why I don't have to worry about tomorrow because I know who holds my hand today. He was with Noah in the flood. He was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. He was with Daniel in the lion's den. He was with Peter when he was bound up in prison. He was with Paul and Silas in the jail at the midnight hour. He was with Moses when Moses stood toe-to-toe and face-to-face with Pharaoh. He was with the children of Israel when they had their face to the Red Sea. And I just came here today to tell you if he was there for them and their crisis, he will be there for you in whatever you're facing in life. I am with you. You don't have to be afraid. I, I'm here. I, 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 I got to quit preaching. I'm just preaching now. I remember years ago, we got into it with a local company that, I will, that will remain unnamed. They are anathema to me because they did us wrong and they turned around and sued this church. I don't even know how they can be in existence, but that's a whole other thing. Do I sound bitter? I'm okay. I'm okay. But it put me through you know what. 
But it got so bad, we were trying to handle it. I, for the first time, I had to get an attorney. Some of you heard me tell this. And, I, and we called an attorney, got a reference, got an attorney, and I'm going to call his name. His name's James Logan, Jim Logan, Logan Jolly Smith. They are my heroes. And I went over, and I met with Jim Logan. I am devastated by this. I've never had to face legal things before. And I told him what was going. I gave him all the paperwork, what was happening. He looked at me. He said, Pastor, from this point on, you don't have to worry about it. If you get a phone call, give him my number. If you get a letter, you send it forward it to me. If anybody says anything, do you tell him to call me and I looked at that man and I realized he was my rescuer he was my deliverer I had somebody an advocate standing by my side I was not by myself anymore and you know I've told you it's a funny story I looked at him I said Mr. Logan if you were a girl I'd kiss you right now he said pastor please don't kiss me right now I said but I would I said you just don't understand what relief I have this moment y'all that's just when an attorney but my God we have an advocate with the father we got the Holy Ghost we've got a great high priest you don't go through it by yourself my, I'm feeling Pentecostal y'all I'm about to shout you never go through it alone God is right there with you and he said I am your God let, let me tell you something he is not just a God he is your God he's not just the God of the Bible he's personal he is your God he's your savior he's your rescuer he's your deliverer he's your healer he's your way maker he, he's your ever-present, all-powerful, all-knowing, eternal, unchanging, infinite, immortal, self-existent, all-wise God. Yours. Look at somebody. Help me preach. I don't, do, I don't like to do a lot of this. I'm feeling like right now. I didn't do it in the first time. Look at somebody. Say, he's my God. He's my God. We, we need to make this point. He's my God. That's what, and I'm not, can I say that? Yes, you can say that because God said it. I am your God. Your God. He lives inside of you. He's with you everywhere you go. And I'm here to tell you, if he was the fourth man in the fiery furnace for the three Hebrew boys, I'm telling you, he'll be the fourth man in your fiery trial because he's your God. And there's a threefold promise that comes with his uh, presence. And I, I'm going to preach this real fast, but you need to hear this. Fear not. Don't be dismayed. I am, I am with you. I am your God. Here's the three promises that God himself has made for us. I believe this scripture applies to us. He said, I will strengthen you. So the promise is there is divine strength when I'm afraid. Have you, if you've ever been really scared, fear will do a lot of things to you. Fear will paralyze you. That's why when the lion roars, the prey freezes. And that's, they, it becomes easy game because they can't move. They're paralyzed with fear. Uh, fear will weaken you. I, I have seen people become terrified and the life and the strength drain out of their body and they collapse. It will drain the light. It'll drain you physically. It'll drain you emotionally, mentally. It, it can drain you, make you weak spiritually. But when you feel weak because you are afraid, God will give you strength, the strength you need to endure and to overcome. He will fortify you internally. He'll give you the courage to face the source of the fear. He will give you the faith you need to prevail and overcome. Let me, let me read a verse to you. I don't have this on the screen. Just listen. Again, Isaiah, but instead of 41, it's Isaiah 40. Some of you have heard this before. Some of you may have never heard it. It's good. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Get ready. And he gives power to the weak. Somebody needs this right now. He gives power to the weak. 
And to those who have no might, no strength, he increases strength. Here you go, get ready. For even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Are you hearing me this morning? If you'll just wait on the Lord and trust the Lord, God will give you what you need. Now, I'm going to be very vulnerable right now and transparent. Everybody here ought to know it, and if you're a guest today, you need to know it. We are a Pentecostal church, and no, we don't handle snakes. Get asked that all the time. Y'all handle snakes? No, we kill them. Kill a snake. I don't like snakes. All right, they look too much like the devil. So we are full-blown, spirit-filled. We believe in speaking in tongues, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. You have to understand this to appreciate this story. Last week, being very, very transparent right now, last week, the weight of this COVID resurgence fell on my shoulders in a way that I don't know that it did in the year and a half previously. I don't know. It, it became oppressive. And if you've never had an oppressive spirit on you, you don't understand. If you ever have, you know what I'm talking about. It was oppressing. It was bearing down on me. I could feel tinges of fear, and I had to keep fighting it off. Oh, no, COVID. I'm getting phone calls constantly. So-and-so in our church has got, so-and-so's got COVID. David's in the hospital He's, he's trying to, he can't breathe, so-and-so. I'm talking to people on the phone and calling our church members. Pastor, pray for me. I'm, I got a fever, and it keeps coming back. Another one, I, can't, I just can't breathe, Pastor. I'm praying with these people over the phone, and the shepherding of them was weighing on me, and it was just bearing on me and pressing me down, and it was, it was, it was overwhelming me every day. So I try to take Fridays off, and I got in my bass boat, my Nitro Z19, and I got on the lake. I was by myself that day, and it helped some fishing, but I could just still feel it. It was on me with a heaviness. And even when I'm out in the boat, y'all don't know it, so my phone still goes off. I'm getting, you know, so I'm trying. And I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you what happened to me. I remember it was late morning. It was about time to quit. It was getting too hot. I put my rods up, and I went over, and I sat down on the boat in, my, in, in the driver's seat. And this thing was so weighing on me so much, I just took my hands on the steering wheel and put my head on the steering wheel like this. I, that's all I knew to do. I just, all I could do, I just, I put my head like this. Nobody's around me. I'm in the big water, so nobody's around. And suddenly, out of the blue, the sweet Holy Ghost who lives inside of me, who has baptized me and clothed me with power, hallelujah, glory to his name, came on me and surged within me, and I started speaking in tongues. I started praying in a heavenly language. You read 1 Corinthians 14, it's real. It's in the Bible. And I started praying in a heavenly language, and it was one of those forceful kind of prayers where you pray loud, and it's strong, and with authority and emotion, 
and it was just like the Holy Spirit said, you, you, you need to let me talk to the Father. And, and he was just praying through me with intercession. And I mean, I mean, I was, and it wouldn't stop. It went on for three, four, maybe five minutes. I don't, I lost track of time and I just, just wouldn't stop. I couldn't, I could have stopped, but I wouldn't stop. I wasn't going to quench the Holy Spirit. I wanted him to just, to just, I knew I needed this. I understand enough about it. And I was praying in the Holy Spirit. And when it finally, when he finished and it finally came to an end and I said, thank you, Lord. And I, and I pulled my head up off of that steer. And when I looked around, I noticed that that spirit of oppression had lifted off of me. And God had moved that thing off of me, and God had done something in my heart and my life. And see, here's what I understand as a Pentecostal, a good Pentecostal who understands pneumatology, if you will, understands the things of the Spirit. When there, are, when there is the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation that occurs in a church service or a setting where people of God are gathered together, Paul says that is to occur to edify the church. Whatever is spoken in English, which would be the gift of interpretation, is supposed to help us be stronger and be supported in the Lord. But here's what he says. There is a praying in tongues. Paul said, I will pray in the understanding and I'll pray in the spirit. And when you pray in the spirit, see, the Bible says, read it, it's in 1 Corinthians 14, that when you pray in tongues, you edify yourself. And the Holy Spirit knew this thing was sapping the life out of me and knocking me down. It was affecting me. I, I had talked to Leah about it. I said, Leah, this thing's just oppressing me. But that moment, the Holy Spirit said, you need my help. And he began to pray through me. And the Lord strengthened, gave me divine strength in my body. So when I finished, I had a supernatural strength that helped me so that I could face the rest of this week and go through this crisis. I thank God I'm Pentecostal. I unashamedly thank God I speak in tongues. I thank God for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and I thank God most of all for his ministry when we need it. He'll give you divine strength. And then he said he'll give us divine help. He said, I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. When you're afraid, God will surround you like a shield with his presence and his power and his favor and his grace and his goodness. That's how he'll help you. He'll give you just what you need to meet your need. He will protect you from the very thing that you fear will happen to you. Psalm 3, 3 says, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. You ever get so low that you're, your, your chin falls on your chest. That's how I felt last week. But I think what the Lord did for me, and he'll do it for you, is when the Lord shows up and this thing's weighing you down and got you afraid and your head's low, the Lord will get your hand, your chin in his hand. He'll lift it up and say, pick your chin up. Look at me. Look, look at me. Look me in the eye. Look at me. Stop worrying about this. I got this. Look at me. I got this. Everything's going to be all right. It may be bigger than you, but it's not bigger than me. It may be complicated to you, but it's simple to me. It may be beyond your resources, but it won't even hardly touch mine. I got this. You just trust me. He'll surround you like a shield. He'll surround you to where whatever it is you're afraid of can't get to. Look, you know what God's saying? If it's going to get to you, this thing you're afraid of, this person you're afraid of, look, it's got to go through me to get to you. It's got to go through me to get to you. So don't worry about it because ain't nobody going to get through me. All the English teachers said, he said, hey. There's a promise of divine strength. 
There's the promise of divine help, and then there's the promise of divine support. He said, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You read in the Bible, anytime God talks about how many of you know God doesn't have a right hand? That just freaked you all out right now, right? God is a spirit. Okay, so those are anthropomorphisms, the Bible says. Those are just ways to help us relate to him that God doesn't really have a right hand. But God has the power of a right hand. If he did have a right hand, it'd be the strongest right hand in the world. he win every arm, arm wrestling match. He said, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Okay? When you cannot take another step, when you cannot face another day, when you cannot fight another battle, The Lord will prop you up, and he'll keep you going. Deuteronomy 33, 27 says, The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath, get ready, are the everlasting arms. So, Evan, you're going to come help me again? Come on, son. He's not only my son, he's a student pastor, and you always get the student pastors to come help you with illustrations. So, how many, of you ever, how many of you ever done the trust thing where you fall into somebody's arms? It's terrifying, isn't it? How many of you will not do it? Because you're terrified, aren't you? See, okay. So we did not practice this. He didn't even know. This was impromptu. He did not even know we were going to do this. I could, you want me to catch you? No, you want, you want to be the catcher. We know who has more faith on this stage. So... How it works, you know, you guys do these training sessions and morale booster things. Everybody's done this, you know. Right? So, you, so what you do is you pick a partner, and you're going to just free fall, and they have to catch you. are going to catch me, right? Oh, please, God. Okay. All right, and so I'll take you out of the wheel. It'll be worse than that. I brought you into this world. I'll take you out of one of those things. So, all right, so you ready? All right, so here we go. All right, this is terrifying, but... I'm going to trust him. So here we go. Oh, that is scary. That is just scary. You sure you want me to do it? I'm good. Okay. All right. So I had to trust him, right? I fell. I couldn't see him, but I had to trust him. That's the whole point of that little exercise. And everybody says, okay, but you know, you you, 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 don't. Here's the thing. Change this. When you're choosing to fall, that's one thing. But when something trips you up, that's entirely another. When, when, when you get knocked backwards and you can't stand up anymore, see, you ever had something knock you back, knock you off your feet, knock you down, knock the, knock the breath out of you? You, you, you notice all these little sayings I'm getting? Knock the wind out of you, okay? Rock your world, scare the living daylights out of you. You get the bad news from the doctor. They're handing out pink slips at work. They're talking about laying off. The girl that you said you were going to marry is decide she's looking like she may break up with you. I mean, anything that's terrifying. Spiritually, you're going through a, t- a tough time. Whatever. It's one thing to fall back, but, but you ready? But it's another thing to get knocked back. But that's the point. God says when you get knocked off your feet, don't worry about it. Because every time you fall underneath And prop you right back up. See, that's what I'm trying to teach you this morning, is whatever wants to knock you down, don't worry about it, because God will always prop you right back up. 
It might knock down the unfaithful. It might knock down the unbeliever, and they're laying there in a terrible state. But whatever tries to knock you down, God will always catch you. I remember I was playing basketball. Thank you, Evan. You can go down. I remember I was playing basketball one time. I loved to play basketball when I was young. I played a lot of basketball. I played church basketball. And I remember just this particular thing. It never left my mind. We were playing church basketball, and Greer, we were playing, and I went up for a shot, and I came down uh, evidently on a guy's back because I went way up. And when I did, I free fell, total free fall, I was going to hit my back on the, on, the, on the court. I mean, it was a total, I'm, I'm just in split seconds, I'm thinking, oh, God, this is not going to be good. And about that time when I was about to hit the ground, one of the players, and I think he was from the other team, just happened to be standing there, and he went, whoop, and caught me. You don't know how happy I was to feel those arms because I was expecting impact and pain. But in my God, you ain't hearing me preach this morning. You know, you're expecting impact and pain and all kinds of bad things. That's what you're expecting, see? But you need to check, change your expectation because as long as God's in your life, that's not going to happen because what's going to happen is as, you're, as, as it feels like it's about to come, underneath are his everlasting arms, and he says, don't worry, I got this. Stand to your feet. Stand with me all over this church. His arm is strong enough to defeat your enemies. His arm is strong enough to hold destructive forces at bay. His arm is strong enough to turn the tide of your situation for good. His strong arm is strong enough to hold up the weight of your burden so you don't have to carry it. His arm is strong enough to wipe the tears from your eyes. I feel the anointing like I did in the first service. I want to give an altar call. And if you say, Pastor Chris, this message was right for me. I am, I am right now scared to death. I'm in the middle of something. I don't care if you're a grown man. Right now is not the time to be tough. Right now is the time to be honest. And right now is the time to reach out to God for help. I don't care who you are, whatever you need from God. If you say, Pastor, this message is for me. I'm gonna, I want to pray and I want you to come to this altar as fast as you can. I want you to run if you have to and get in these altars. People got in these altars and cried out to the Lord, Father, I thank you for this word that you gave me. If I ever knew that I was supposed to preach it, God, you gave me this word. And I thank you for the power of this word. And God, I pray right now, because this is the most important time, Lord, that your word will not return void. But God, people can grab a hold of it and they can come down here and say, Lord, I'm in the middle of something. I'm struggling with something. But Lord, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to look to you for help and strength and support and know, God, that you're with us. And God, you are our God. Touch people, I pray, in the ensuing minutes. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Come on, come on. If you need to get to this altar, come on. People have already come. Come on. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.